Um, what we figured out last week was that in any given moment, when we talk about making decisions, we talk about making decisions. So we said that our actual potential to make decisions is is far greater than we anticipate. We started, we got onto the sugar by understanding how comparisons are so crucial in us trying to rate and understand who we are and what we are. Our gut reflex is when you want to know what to do and how to do it, we look at the people around us. And therefore, if I'd like to know how to daven, so then I look at the minion that I'm davening in. I want to know, I go to the lunch table, and I want to know, even though it's not consciously, we don't process it that way, but if I want to know how to make a brocha, so then I probably take the cue from the way people are making brochas around me. It's unlikely that if everyone else around me is, is going, I'll start going like this. It's probably not going to happen. It's probably not going to happen. Um, and it would happen, it may be quite interesting, but maybe other people would follow suit. Certainly if you've been in an environment when everyone did it that way, so then that's the way you do it. So you see that a lot of things are based on comparison. In comparison, so even though it can be helpful, but it can be extremely damaging because it means that ultimately you are a pawn of the place of where you are. So what we discussed last week was that of course every decision is based on some level of comparison, but social, contextual comparison is probably most of the times not going to allow you to realize your potential. Because in almost by nature of what the whole the whole way a social dynamic works is it's generic. It's how all these people do it. And it could be that I have to do something different. So if for order for me to actually plot my own course in life, I have to make a decision which may be against what everyone else is doing. How did I come to that decision? What we worked out last week was that in any given decision, there are far more things open to choice than we would anticipate. For example, if a person wants to make a brocha, so people say, well, when they make a brocha, they generally define it into two possible ways of making the brocha. With kavona, without kavona. But that's way, way, way too simplified, if you think about it. First of all, when making a brocha, so you could think about, okay, how should I use my voice in the brocha? Should I use a gentle tone? Should I use an infused tone? Should I use a loud, so it could be the, the tone. Then you can discuss the volume. Should it be soft, should it be loud. On the scale of soft to loudness, and the softest is this. And the loudest is this! So where should I place it? Could be here, could be here, could be here, could be here, could be here. So I've got all those, I've got the entire range at my disposal. I've got my body position. Should I be standing or should I be sitting? If I'm sitting, I can be sitting upright. I can be sitting and moving. I can be swaying from side to side. I can be standing. I can be standing slouched over. I can be standing and shaking. There's enormous, in terms of what middah should I be working on when saying the bracha? Could be I should be working on ava. Could be I should be working on yedidus. He's giving me a gift of friendship. Should be I should be working on anova. I have nothing in the Abish is giving me something. It could be that I should be working on Yira. He gave me this. It could be I should be working on Simcha. Those are, those are all available for me to use. In the words, I can focus on the pause. Where should I put the pause? Should I go, Hashem. 
Elokeinu, Moshe Baruch Ata, emphasis on, should I put in the first syllable and the second syllable? Hashem Elokeinu, Melech, or should it be Melech Ha'olam? I can choose all of those things. I can choose, I can choose um, the way I'd like to hold the food. If I'm making Berch Zanyanyim, should I grip it hardly, should I grip it loosely, should I hold it up, should I hold it down? I can choose what I'm looking at. Should my eyes be closed? Should my eyes be open? There's a wide variety of choices. So what happens? There's not many nafkaminas between all these. There's huge nafkaminas. What do you mean? There's gigantic nafkaminas. I'm sitting in front of a fruit. Now, there's a question is, will this fruit bring me to an, a, a, his life with him simcha? Will this fruit bring me to our Tov? Will this fruit bring me to our Nova? Now, if you take the decision in isolation, maybe there won't be a massive difference. But if you go through a life of making those decisions, the kind of person that's created through those decisions is radically different. Most of our life, we live on autopilot. We don't choose. We don't look at options and then make a selection of the options. What is another word for autopilot? We live our life based on social comparison. We just look what other people are doing. If we're not sure what to do, either we compare ourselves to what we did previously, or we compare ourselves to what other people are doing. So social comparison, comparing yourself to what you did previously, means you ain't growing. Because you're doing the same thing as you did before. Assuming that you can do more now, if you're a growing person. If you're looking at the people around you, so you're not expressing individuality. So the two basic gauges of how to act are faulted if you want to really discover any sense of true connection to the Shalom or any sense of godless. Gedolim always different. They'd have to be, because otherwise it would be Gedolim. You only become a godl when you're different. And a godl doesn't mean necessarily a revolution. It means the godl of who you are. So now what happens? Now, the first step is you have to step back from the situation and realize your parameter of choice, the different parameters of choice available to you. Just using brachos is an easy place to start. So now I have to choose sitting, standing, volume, tone, midah. Now, what happens is when you open up that spectrum of what you can choose from, the next thing that occurs is I have to decide which one to use. What criteria do I use to make that decision? Step number one, I open up the options. So now, should I say a bracha at the top of my voice? Or should I say a bracha at the bottom of my voice? Which one should I do? It's open to me. Should I say a bracha standing or sitting? So now, when the choices are opened up, I'm forced to use the Torah as a comparison as to what I should do. Ironically, if I don't open up my case of choices, I never really go back to the Torah because I don't need to because I just keep on going. My Shainkin, when I discussed it, I say to myself, okay, should I say the bracha standing or sitting? So what is it? Well, if it's a bracha shvach, so it's better to stand. If it's a bracha sanyanin, pashas is better to sit. So therefore, the way I define what I'm going to do in the situation is by opening up the choices and then having a model whereby I can choose which one to make in the given context. Should I say it loudly or softly? Well, we've got different precedents. We've got a Gemara which says, So maybe I should scream up. Maybe that's a Dini Heishmei Rabba. Maybe that's not a Dini Brachas. Well, what's the difference? So now I'm going to have to think of all the Lamdish Achilak between Heishmei Rabba and a Bracha. Mi'idach Gisa, it says in Hilchus Shemona Esrei, that if you speak loud in Yishmon Esrei, so you may cut me a mona. What the Yishmon can't hear you, you have to shout at him, 
So there's a miling a munah in saying the bracha softly. So it could be that you'll see that the Torah gives you a range of how to do it. So now, if I'm using emunah in this bracha, that's what I want to work on. I want to work on emunah. So then perhaps what I'll do is I'll whisper the bracha. Maybe if I'm trying to work on simcha, and simcha is a hispashtus, that when I break out of myself, as opposed to atzvus, when I contract inside myself, simcha is, when I expand, it's a bit of hispashtus. So if I'm trying to work on simcha, so then I'll raise the volume slightly. If I'm trying to work on emunah, so because I know your brain comes right here. He doesn't need to hear it. He's here. He's here. He's here. He's, he's inside of me. So in other words, when I open up the range of choices, that's when I look for a reference point in order to know which way to decide. But if I don't open up the choices, so I never actually come onto what the choices because there's no need to because I just keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. Because I pick up a cue here, I pick up a cue, I pick up a cue from my past, I just go. So there's a radically different life to a life where choices are opened up to a life where choices are never opened up. There's a radical different life to the comparison being contextual to myself and to my environment and comparison to what the Torah requires of me. The only way I'll get onto asking what the Torah requires to me and doing the care of what you should do is at the point before I make the decision is I say, what are my options? Ironically, I only need to come onto the Torah when there's some level of sophic. The only way the sophic will occur if I open up what I should be doing, because it could be this or this or this or this or this or this or this. But if I don't open up those options, so then I never need to come onto the Torah because there's no could. This is the way it's done. Varaya, I did it this way yesterday, or they did it this way. So before you need to come into the Torah, there's a stage prior to that. The stage is that you have to open up your array of choices. And this is in everything. Should I learn? How should I learn? What should I learn? Should I learn Gemara? Should I learn Shulchanah? What should I do? Wow, obviously you should learn Gemara. Why? Because, look, everyone's learning Gemara. Look. That's what you should learn. You should learn Gemara. How long should I learn Musa? Shvach, um, 15 minutes before Marif. How should I learn Musa? Like, semi-seriously, depending on where you sit. That's the way to make decisions. Maybe you should be learning Musa for two hours a day. I'm not speaking to anyone personally. Just putting it out there. Or, or maybe you should be learning Musa at all. Or maybe you should be learning something else. And what safer Musa should you be learning? Musa Shariam. Why? Because I went to the shelf and that was, that was the, uh, those are most of the Musa Shariam. The Shari Chuvah are behind the Musa Shariam because it's not ill yet. So therefore, it's okay. Musa Shariam is the way to go. The Rabbi also says that Aram Himshat must be voiceover. And he says, because of this, you must hang around Pomeranian. That's all like Pidyevu. Like, That's oh, right. That's not true. That's right. Only talking in a the the Rambam's talking about the Teva of an Adam. So, in other you words. You can get around that. So you you can get around that. that. If, if you like this, if you like this, there are people. There are people that manage to, in an environment which is extremely negative, if they're using the Terezian measuring point, they're able to. That, those are the Gudolim. But everyone else. Avram was called Avram Ivri because the entire world was on one side and he was on the other side by himself. When you say Adam Nimshak, I have to be voice of. It's not a social, it's a social norm. A Vada person within his choice can decide to do otherwise. Um, the way he says it is quite interesting. If I remember the locha correctly, he says, Derech Briyosoy Shel Adam. That's the way you made. That's, that's the natural, that's the default setting. So now, if you're aware of that, so you use it to your, your advantage because you're susceptible. But Avada, there's another dialogue where you go above and beyond that.
The Gaon says it in Evan Shleiman. The Gaon says that a person shouldn't be scared when people laugh at him because he does either chumras or kudas, because that's for his, his own tikkun. What do you mean? Everyone else is laughing at me. It must be that I'm doing different from everyone else. That's a club. But if that person can choose to be different, so we're saying over here is that even in the best environment, it's pr- productive to choose to be different because then you're making a choice. Are you following me? So now let's go into the, the Rabbeinu Yonah. The Rabbeinu Yonah, which I think maybe will shed a bit of light on this, or maybe not. The Rabbeinu Yonah says, it's not get to, to nice of the Nishma. The Rabbeinu Yonah, in the Derech HaShlishi, Shara Shani, he's looking for ways that people, different ways of people coming to do tshuva. One of the ways he suggests, and this is interesting, because when you talk about change, how long does it take for a person to change? So the ultimate Vardak says, ultimate Vardak says, if you can't change in an instant, you can, you will never change in a lifetime. In other words, change is momentary. It happens like that. The Rebbeinu Yoyna, Rebbeinu Yoyna says the same thing. The Rebbeinu Yoyna says the same thing. It's not like a Nevardak It's a reality. What's the reality? The Rebbeinu Yoyna in the Shash, in the Derech Hashishi, Hajidutulates. It could be that a person. He goes to here, yeah, he calls a Mokhishim, he, he goes to here, yeah, Shmuz, or he reads a Musa Sefer, or, or any, anything, any experience that he has. He uses the example that he went to, he went to here, yeah, Drosha. And he heard the Drosha, and something inside of him clicked. He thought about it. And then all of a sudden, he said, Ah, there's something wrong with my life. Things have got to change. Now, at, as a result of that realization, he started to implement changes in his life. Let's say he was a person that went to completely no Jewish background and he happened to be in Jerusalem, the holy city, and he went to a class in a, in a cure seminar and all of a sudden his entire perception of reality shifted and he goes, oh my gosh, my life is going in the wrong direction. I'm going to reorientate myself. We'll call this guy Joe. So Joe goes to this class and he makes this decision and he walks out of the class and that night, the Friday night, he goes back to his hostel in East Jerusalem and has a tray for meal. And, but the truth is something inside him has shifted. Then he goes on and he goes back to America and he starts to research a little bit online and then, you know, eventually he starts to attend classes and he goes, he finds the local rabbi, invites him over to his house for Shabbos. And six years later, Joey's mama should be in Torah Shema Shabbos. When did the change occur? When did you measure it from? Six years later or six years back? This is Rabbi When you listen to it. And Yakshiv Yishma Avikona V'yachsor B'tshuva you have, a re, you have a complete paradigm shift. You realize that this is the right way to go. You accept upon yourself. That was a, that was a change. All happened then. All happened then. Change happened then. What happened is it, it manifested itself over the next six years. But the change was then. He changed in an instant. 
That's what happened. Adam says the Rebbein Yoni goes in the Hemshech and he says that explains Pshat in a mysterious Avos de Rebbe Nassim. The Avos de Rebbe Nassim says a person that Ma'as of Merubim Mechachmasoi Chachmasoi Miskayemes Ein Ma'as of Merubim Mechachmasoi Ein Chachmasoi Miskayemes Meaning when you do more than you know then your knowledge has a kiyum. If you don't do more than you know it doesn't uh, one second. So one second. So if I do more than I know, then I'm okay. If I do more than I know. So then you start to think about this and you think, gosh, there's a bit of a logical problem there. How do you do more than you know? Well, you do all the things you don't know. Oh, okay. How do I do things I don't know? Well, you know that I those things. Which ones? The ones you don't know about. Are you doing them? No, why not? I don't know about them. Problem. You can't do more than, you can't do what you don't know. What does it mean that you're maisim or maruba mechokma? That's what it means. It means that in that regular cotton that you made that complete and total change about, in the internal internally you made the decision to, what happened then? So in that crucial moment, you created inside of yourself the potential to all the mountain that would be in the future. In other words, the way we're looking at it is, when six years later the person is a Bentoya, it's not shot that he became a Bentoya six years later, he became Bentoya six years beforehand. It just didn't, we didn't know what it was going to look like. This is the way it panned out. Maitha means that you make a decision now, and then as things occur, you implement it in this way, in that way, in this way, in that way, in this way, in that way. So it's this continued expression. That's what the Rabbeinu Yonah says, is Pshat Nasa Nasa means, that we commit to doing. We don't know what we're going to do. Nishma, you'll tell us. And he says, that's the secret that the Malachi Ashari is a Mishkam Shimboi. What a Malachi Ashari is? A Malach is a being which is created to perform a mission. Now, it's possible that the Malach is there, but he hasn't yet found out about his mission. What happens when the Rebbein Yashayim sends him on his mission? He goes, this is name Ishtar. I mean, it's Sunday. Give me a break. There's no Suffolk. He's told the mission. He does it. So when he's a Malach without a mission, what is he? He's Maes of Merubim. He'll do any mission that's given to him. We just don't know what the mission is. When he's told the mission, then he'll go ahead and do it for Poyal. Until he's told what to do, he'll do it for Koyach. So you've got the Maes in Koyach. On Merubim, Yichok Mosoy, then Yichok Mezekium. That's nice of Nishma. Now, how does it impact us in our decisions? So there's a crucial point of when we make decisions, what are we deciding about? There's two ways you can decide. <coughs> The one thing you can decide, your decision could be, a, could be an if decision, or your decision could be a how decision. Nice definition means that every decision I ever make is not an if decision, should I, shouldn't I? It's a how decision, how do I do it? The ultimate commitment with nice definition, any kimatoya, is not that, well, as things kind of pan out in my life, I'll decide if I should or shouldn't. It's not if, if I'm going to be kind of Hashem. That's why I'm a Jew. That's what makes me, that's the deepest point of who I am, is Naisa Vanishma. Naisa Vanishma is the essence is, is the, is the of what a Jew is about. Meaning that I don't make my decisions, I don't make my performance contingent on my understanding. If I get what you're saying, then I'll do it. Otherwise, I'll do what I want to do. Like the Rebbein Yunus said, that an ever that says he'll do 99.9% of what the other wants, is not an ever Bichlal. Because all those 99% is doing them because he wants to do it, not because Adam tells him to do it.
So when a person makes a decision to care Matera, so the decision thereafter is not a decision of if, it's a decision of how should I do it. The decision of how should I do it is exactly what we're saying. How means that there's a wide arena. A choice is not if. So the choice is only in the how. So what does it mean how? It means you could do it like this, or 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 like this. The British Islam says, I want you to do it like that. And every person, every situation will change. And that's what a decision is. So therefore, in order to be able to understand or to begin the process of making decisions, the first thing you have to do is open up the how. There's another interesting chart, which is also no gear. It's the Moriah Naim says the chart in Naseh Venishma. This is a fascinating chart. Naseh Venishma. He says as follows. He says, You're sorry in all Avoida. All Avoida. How does a voter work? How does a person grow? There's two ways a person can grow. Theoretically speaking, a person grows, he goes up like this on a continuum. He goes at, as, at like a straight a graph going straight up, straight up, straight up into the sky, like a steep slope. That's one way of growing. Another way of growing is a person goes up and then he dips down. And then he grows up. And when he goes up, he goes up slightly higher than when he left off before he dipped down. And then he dips down. And then he goes up. So I remember Avalbi once saying in this analogy to what's the difference between a Shiva Bocha and a person who's not Oyved on his Ruchnian stick of being. This is like two people traveling in two different means of transport. One person travels in a train and the other in an aeroplane. Um, the one traveling in the train, so he goes over the same, they're traveling from the same point, and uh, the person in the train, he's on the ground. And therefore, the kind of movement that he experiences are very subtle. He can feel that he's going uphill or downhill, but there's nothing jerky about what he's doing, and there's no sudden dips, and there's no sudden raise, uh, rises. Whereas when a person's traveling on an airplane, because he's in the air, he's suspended, he's in a higher place, he can dip down very low because he's further to fall. Now he says, a Shiva Bocha is like a person in an airplane during turbulence. It's going up and down, up and down, up and down. The Moin Haim says that's a Klan in Avodah. It could be what we're saying at another stage, that the only time we ever appreciate anything is also comparison. There's no Aliyah without a Yerida, because we wouldn't know what Aliyah was. Every Aliyah has to have a Yerida before it. It's not impossible to be any other way. The nature of an Aliyah is the thing that I come out with after I've had a Yerida. So since the nature of Avoida is up, down, up, down, up, down, I feel his slavos, I feel Rebbein is close to me, my learning goes good and great, my tefillah is geschmack, and then a few days later, I can't be bothered, I don't have an idea what I'm doing, tefillah is dry and tasteless, and I, I just, nothing makes sense, and so what do you do at that point in time? So the distortion of Avoida is, well, when I'm in Aliyah, so then I can be over Hashem. And when I'm in a Yerida, so then that's not a mockum for Avodah Hashem, so I don't know what to do, I have to think about other things. So it's not that is good for the Avodah. The Avodah is Naseh V'Nishma. There's two Madragas. Sometimes it's Nishma. Nishma is Havana, you understand, everything fits. And Naseh means you do. The prerequisite for Kabbalah Sultari is that you have to have those two things together. Naseh V'Nishma. There's going to be times that are Nishma times, and there's going to be times that are Naseh times. Now, for us, this is so crucial is because it's also the point of making the decision. When you're in a minor ruchnis 
and you misdabbing to Kosh Bochu through your Hagoshes, you're feeling it. You go into a tefillah and you're Shmoni Esra, you pass it, you don't realize, and the, the, they start in Chazaras the Shatz and you can't understand. How come I'm in Atochani and Adam Das when they start in Chazaras the Shatz? Then your choice of Avoida is a completely different array to when you're sitting to tefillah and you think, I actually cannot believe how I'm going to get through this Shmoni Esra. Okay, I'm going to do it. So then you've got a different set of choices. In each place, you have to pick out the choice which approach of you. When you're in the matzav of his alus, so then your choices are perhaps to be marich, perhaps to be misdabe, perhaps to do... Uh, I don't know what. Depends on who you are. When you're in the matzav of, of, of nefillah, so then your choices are different. So actually, this is a fantastic way of being the yourself back into... How do you, how does a person get out of the doldrums? It's an interesting, it would be an interesting way of opening up a choice. And if he, in, his, in his Hasidic way, he touches it into a few psukim. The, the, the tzaddik is also often referred to as a shemesh. Uh, I said, I said, Some of the Gemara refers to the tzaddik as a shemesh because he radiates light. From when the sun shines is the matter when a person is alus. Everything's clear. Admavoy is when the sun sets, everything's dark. Mulal Shem Hashem. Either way, there's a Mulal Shem Hashem. It's just which way. Va'atim Advekim Hashem Lokechim. Why is it Va'atim Advekim Hashem Lokechim? Hashem is Rachman. Kechim is Nadin. Chaim Kulchem Ayyem. It's Va'atim Advekim. If you want Dvekus, it has to be Hashem. It's Alos, connection, Lokechim. Distance, Din, Tsimtum. How do you know? Chaim Kulchem Ayyem. It's the most basic fundamental principle is that the way Muna comes from is the fact that I am. A person thinks about himself in the most easiest way of Akara, of Emuna, is I realize that I have life. I'm alive. And ultimately, when a person has a, a decent amount of Emuna, you feel that your life force is gained from the Rebbein So through you feeling alive, even though you feel with Sun you feel the Rebbein far away, but you feel and you miss in on the fact that you're a Chai. When you're a chai, so then you start to get a sense of, ah, the Rebbeinu is in the world, and then you can start to reconnect. So he says, Through the chayim, that's how you get it. Shivisi Hashem, Hashem should be in front of me, connection, lenegdi, sometimes against me. Tomid, I'm with you. It's, 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 again, it's a derech of avoider whereby you have to realize that each and every situation requires opening up a whole different set of choices. He just gave an example of one of the choices you could open up in a matzah of the filler. But the point is the point. The point is that before you begin to cho- choose, you have to open up the array of all the hows that there are. Then you'll come on to comparing it to the constant, the absolute of Torah, and then you'll grow as a mensch, as yourself, in your matzav, as opposed to just being this generic pawn moved by the forces of society and the currents in your past. And then you become alive. So I think that's a very, very important thing for us to play around with when we try to move forward. As a practical takana, it's fascinating. The Ica place where Bechira lies is in the Dibur. But it's very hard. The easiest place to work on Dibur is Taka in something which is formatted, like Tfila, like Brochus. It would be interesting to do a Takana in the next week when you'd practice in a Brochus of your choice, whether it be Brechta, Neanim, or Shiryatsar, or Shemana Esrei, and you offer yourself 
ten choices to make. Could be the choice, it would be volume, it could be the choice, it could be middle, the choice could be position. In the Shmon Esra, it should be a shockling Shmon Esra, a non-shockling Shmon Esra. In the Ashayata, what should I do? It should be Akarata Tov, should be this feeling of another, that the he could pull the plug on me in one second, boom, and I would disappear. I feel you Echas. Excuse the guess. Could absolutely disappear into nothingness. So I, I would be interested, if we played around with that, maybe we'd realize that what will probably happen is we'd feel much more alive. But why don't you try it yourselves? Making decisions. If it doesn't work, there's, I saw there's a seminar on making decisions outside. So then you can go to that. Shkacha, <laughs> bye,